morning, Waipuna Chapel. Hey. It's good to be in the house today. Uh, good to be in the house today. Uh, super excited that you guys um, have chosen to join us this morning for, for worship. Uh, my name is Kaipo Thomas, one of the pastors here. Great honor and privilege to bring God's word. Um, shaka, you guys. Shaka. We're in the house of the Lord. It's on a Sunday. It's a great morning. Amen. It's a great morning. Um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, bring God's word this morning. We are in um, an altar series. This is week six. This morning we're talking about altars of decision. Um, you guys have notes in your, in your bulletin. You guys can follow along. There's also some life group questions at the end. It'll also be uh, posted online um, later on uh, this week. So you guys can follow along. So our, our text is from Genesis 28. Uh, it's known as the Jacob's Ladder. So I'm, I'm sure some of you have, are familiar with that and not sure where it comes from, but it comes from here. It comes from the Bible. It comes from Genesis 28. And we'll be talking about um, Jacob's decision for the Lord and our decision for the Lord. Um, Jacob had a fresh encounter with God and... Um, it was his first personal encounter with God, uh, as far as scripture accounts for. And as a result, um, to his encounter, Jacob makes a decision for the Lord. And as we start this morning, I just have a, Dan, you guys got to work that a little bit. There's a little bit of hum up here. Um, when I think about Jacob's decision for the Lord, I just want to start off by saying that our decision for the Lord doesn't come before God's decision for us. Yeah, let me just respond again and just say that one more time. Our decision for the Lord doesn't come first. It's God's decision for us that comes first. When God comes and encounters us and reveals himself to us, then we understand who he is and we can respond. Um, we didn't begin this relationship. It's God who initiates. It is God who gets our atten um, attention. It is God who sent his son down to earth to share with us the good news. Anybody know what the good news is? Yeah. The good news of the gospel. What Jesus came here to deliver to us. You can phrase it in any form, which way you can. But this morning I was thinking, the good news is that God is accessible. Jesus came as this messenger to humanity saying that you have been separated because of your sins, but I'm going to make a way. For you to have relationship once again. The thing that separated you from the all-loving God. The, the, the sinfulness of humanity. I'm going to atone for on the cross. Shaka. That's good right there. That's a good news. Gospel. That Jesus came. He lived. He loved. He died. He rose again to tell us that the way has been opened. Yeah. You guys can preach that. You guys can leave right now, and that's all you need. I'm serious. That is all you need. I'm going to talk about Genesis 28 and how the gospel is found in there, but really, that is the good news that has been transforming lives for the last 2,000 years. Yeah. It's been good, and it's going to continue to be good. That God is accessible. Yeah, we all got issues. We all got hurdles. And all those things can be taken care of. But Jesus Christ and his completed, finished work on the cross. 
a couple of scriptures uh, just so you guys know that this is in my own teaching. Uh, John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children who are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but by the will of God. Sons and daughters of God by the will of God. Amen? It is God who chose us. John, um, John 6, 4. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is God who initiates this relationship with us. 1 John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. Awesome? Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Hey, let's pray as we uh, get into this text for today. Uh, Jesus, we worship you this morning. Uh, can this pause real fast? Can each of you just lift up a word of thanks and praise to the Lord just in your spirit? If there's anything that God has done for you recently, can we just lift up in this place? Um, just praise. Just praise. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thanks, God, for all that you've done. Hmm. Yeah, Father, we mahalo you this day. We mahalo you this day, God, for your presence. Man, what a miracle, right? That we would know you, the all true supreme God. Not only know you and of you, but to know you intimately, God. To know you um, because you have interwoven yourself in us. We are the handiwork of your creation. And onto our hearts, God, you've created us to make a decision for you, Lord. And then to choose to worship you, Lord, every day after. Yeah, and so we just, we just praise you, God. We ask that you'd come and speak to us. You'd come, Lord, and be in our midst. And, and really, Lord, that's my prayer is that people would hear about you. The miracle of Jesus and the good news, God, would be preached from this pulpit today. Nobody would leave here talking about Waipuna or Pastor Kaipo or any of the staff. They would leave here, God, knowing you more and talking about you more. So Jesus, come and be present, Lord. I pray for a fresh encounter uh, with each of my friends here this day. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so Genesis 28. Um, you guys can turn your Bibles there. We'll have some uh, <clears throat> scriptures online. So today we're talking about altars of decision. Um, and our decision for the Lord uh, is birth out of God's decision for us within uh, so I'm talking about the good news, the gospel message. Yeah, um, you guys have seen me do this before. If you've seen me preach, God on the right hand is holy and sinless. Left hand, man is not holy and full of sin. The problem is separation because God desires relationship. We've been separated by, uh, from God because of our sin and, and, and sometimes for our good, our, our own good. Because God just has this purification process amongst them. Sometimes people get cleansed, amen. Other times people just die. 
So it's not ideal, but for our protection sometimes, you know, uh, we have been separated by God. And that's not the ideal setting. So God is holy. He desires a relationship with unholy man. The solution is Jesus. Jesus came and he made a way for us by taking the sins of humanity um, on his shoulders on the cross, allowed us to have relationship with him. So this is a New Testament teaching, but it's also in Scripture in the Old Testament. Amen? So this morning as we, as we unwrap Genesis and we unwrap uh, Genesis 28 specifically, you're going to see the gospel message in play, that God is holy and he's separate. He does things that we don't understand. And then we'll see the sinfulness of man. We'll see God's problem, I mean, the, the problem of sin and the separation of a family. But in the end, we'll see Jesus in the Old Testament. Good? That's good right there. Anytime you can see Jesus a little bit clearer, that's good. Amen? I need to see him a little bit clearer sometimes. Okay, so uh, let's talk with God is holy and he is sinless. So you can turn your Bibles if you want. Um, to the beginning, uh, Genesis 28. Um, I'll have some scriptures on uh, online. And uh, yeah. So right in the beginning, so a little, little context, right? So we have uh, Jacob whose father was Isaac, whose father was Abraham, okay? Abraham was the, the pioneer, okay? He was the, the first uh, if, if we were talking in, in Hawaiian terms about surfing, he would be like the Duke of Hanamoku. Yeah? You guys get it, right? You guys think surfing, Hawaii, the beginning, Duke. Yeah? Or like in, in the history of, of Hawaii, right? You think about Kamehameha and you're like, man, the uniter of the islands, right? That's how the, uh, when these stories were read, it was the name Abraham was mentioned. People were like, man, this guy was the first this was the guy that God started this whole process with. Out of, uh, after the, the, the flood, right, uh, there's the Tower of Babel, everybody's separated, and God's redemptive process really isn't there. And out of just the myriads of people, God goes, hey, Abram, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Look up into the heavens more than the stars are above, yeah, will be your descendants. Amen. So we can see right in the beginning of the story in Genesis, right, is God's holiness. And I was going to throw this out there. Holiness is, uh, you can, um, not only can you define it as being perfect, but also being, being set apart, meaning God just does whatever he wants, okay? So God in his perfectness chooses imperfect man to bring his perfect plan. That's good, yeah? I don't know where that came from. I did preset on Friday. That was good, Okay. <laughs> But God in his perfectness, yeah, chose imperfect man to bring his perfect plan. I mean, there was nothing about Abram that should have gotten God's attention, right? I, I love that scripture says, who am I, God, that you would be mindful of me? We're nobodies. We are nobodies. I get to stand up here sometimes, but I'm nobody. In, in the world, in the scheme of success and, and popularity and achievement, I'm a nobody. I've only been made a somebody because of the God who lives in heaven. Amen? And Abram was a nobody. But God, being holy, chose to involve himself in humanity, in the life of Abram. Yeah, And maybe God's choosing to make you a nobody 
a somebody this morning. And I hope that you hear that message today. That God has chosen you. God has chosen you. You know, my prayer is that God would give you eyes to see that very thing. A heart to understand that the heart of God is for you. We're not playing church here. We're not throwing on some kind of society and some kind of gathering where you can have membership and, and a better way. No, the, the God of the Bible is real. This is not folktale we're reading. This is actual history of God involving himself with humanity. And I'm telling you that you can write yourself into this story. You can write yourself in this story. You're a nobody, but because God is a somebody. And his eyes are for you. He chose you and he demonstrated that choice by sending his son to the cross. And he's still sending his son, amen, into the lives that we live today. So God shows his holiness and the fact that he chose Abraham into Abraham. He continued his choice in Isaac. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau, and there's all kinds of drama there. Okay, we'll get to that later. But God chose them, impure men, to show his holiness, the fact that he's, he does things that we don't understand. So Genesis 28, uh, 3 through 4. Um, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring um, with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojourning that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away. So God in his holiness, putting blessing upon Jacob, pre him doing anything good. Okay? Jacob was like a little squirmy guy. Okay? Like not only cowardly uh, uh, like his father and his grandfather, but he was a little manipulator, this guy, you know? Um, but so God is holy, yeah, in showing himself while he chose Abraham. He continues with Isaac. He continues with, with Jacob. Um, so, uh, so Jacob leaves, right? And he leaves for two reasons. One, for protection because his, his older brother Esau is pissed with him. Uh, because when they were younger, he stole the birthright. When he got a little bit older and Isaac was, a, eight, was just about to die and he's going to pass on the blessing. So he had the birthright, right, which is uh, the favorable outcome for all the older sons. If you're the older son there in Scripture, it talks about the, the right of the, of the firstborn, that you would be, uh, uh, you'd get all the inheritance, the authority you pass on you. If the father's ever out, you're like the man. So it, Jake... Isaac is about to pass on, and he's about to bless Jacob, Esau, right? You guys can read your Bible. You don't even know what I'm preaching up here. It's like, what? Esau, Jacob, who's that guy? Anyway, so let's start again. So Abraham, right, is the grandfather or the father to Isaac, who is the grandfather to Jacob and Esau. Those two brothers just have issues, right? They're just like scrapping from a young age. Um, and so we pick up the story in this place where uh, Isaac and his wife are sending off Jacob, one, for his protection because Esau, the older brother, was a hunter and he was pissed and he literally wanted to kill him, okay? And then two, to find a wife, not amongst the, the Canaanite women around, but a, a, a wife within their own um, people group, okay? So... Uh, next, so that's God's holiness. Next we get to man is not holy and, and full of sin. So we talk about Esau, right? So um, Genesis 28, 
uh, 8 and 9. So not only was Esau, um, oh, okay, so Esau's got all kinds of issues. Where do I start? Okay, let's start here, 8 and 9, right? So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had already, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, okay? So he already had two wives of the, the Hittite clan, which didn't sit well with his father or his mother, okay? Um, and so he's trying to get favor, but rather than say, sorry, dad, yeah, he goes out and tries to get another wife within the family structure-ish. Only thing he chooses Ishmael, who was kind of the rejected part of the family, and rather than just coming and opening up his heart and saying, dad, my bad for who I was. He tries to make his, his own way, his own path to redemption, yeah? And so he's, he's got some issues, yeah? He's got some issues. I mean, in, in 27, I talked about earlier that he actually set out to, to kill his own brother. So even though he, he tried to get um, uh, a wife that was favorable in the dad's eyes, in his heart, he was distant, yeah? In his heart, he was malicious. In his heart, he really was... Uh, conniving and manipulating and really didn't have uh, the father's heart in his own spirit. And scripture says, uh, um, in Hebrews 12, 16, yeah, that we shouldn't be like Esau. Yeah, so this is a New Testament. So we go from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, all the way to one of the, the latter letters written post-Jesus um, so the writers in Hebrews says, do not be unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. He pleaded for the birthright. He pleaded for the blessing, but he was unable to find it. And in scripture, we find the motive. The motive was that he, he lived to satisfy the desires of his own flesh. That he traded in what was holy. So the holy blessing was that he was the first son in whom the blessing of his father and God was supposed to be passed on. The holy blessing of God. He traded that in for a meal. How many of us are trading in the things of God for the things of this world? And maybe not even just the, the, the gnarly, sinful things of this world, but maybe just the desires of our own flesh. See, Esau put physical desires over his spiritual blessing. Paul would write in Romans 13, 14, uh, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its own lusts. See, our flesh on in and of itself is not going to lead us to Jesus. Amen? Our own desires and fleshful desires and sinful desires, yeah? The things of the self, it's not going to lead us to Jesus. It's not going to lead us to heaven. If it did, Jesus never had to show up. If left to our own selves, we would seek God. If left to our own selves, we would love him and worship him and serve others and be second. Jesus would never have had to come. But Jesus had to come. Because we are not those people. Left to our own selves, we would run and we would stray from the all-loving God. 
And so scripture says, yeah, not to be like Esau, who just satisfied the desires of his own flesh. I'm not sure how that is, is you know, uh, speaking to you or what God's using, but there's grace, amen? There's power available for us to say to our own flesh and desires, no, man, you are being subjected to the truth that is found in God's word. The decisions that we want to make in this life isn't just our own instinct. No, we want to be to, to confirmed in the Bible, yeah, or led in the Bible, confirmed by his people and led by the spirit. The decisions that we make, why do we do the things that we do? Hopefully it's not just feelings and random choices, but it's decisions that we come to in prayer, amen? Where we say, God, what am I going to do this day? He's like, well, open the Bible. I'm pretty clear in there, you know? There's some clear moments where God says, this is my will for you. Yeah, two of them, the greatest commandment and the great commission. There's a gospel message. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, hey, if you don't know what else to do, go do this. In fact, in all that you do, go do these things, right? We can be creative in how we love God. We can be creative in how we love others. We can be creative in how we love ourselves. You guys understand that? It's in Scripture. Yeah? That Jesus into this story talks about rest. That sometimes it's not about doing. It's just about being. Just being the people that God created us to be. Love the story of Mary and Martha, right? Martha was like just doing stuff and Mary comes and she just sits at his feet. She says, how's it going, daddy? Like, Yeah. You know, it's important for us to work, for sure. But Scripture says the true work, yeah, of God is to believe in the one whom God has sent. In all that we do, let it be within this understanding that God is at work in and through us. Amen? Okay, so um, so we have God is holy, and, and, and I feel like it's shown in the cho- choice that he just does things that, you know, whatever he wants to do. Uh, man is not holy, yeah, and we're full of sin, and the problem is uh, separation because God desires relationship. And w- when I think about the, the unholiness and the, and the uh, I think about John 10.10, 10, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I came to bring life and life to the fullest. So uh, Satan isn't just about still killing and destroying you and your property, and, and he is, but I think in, most importantly, like, and probably number one on his list is he's trying to divide families. Fathers from sons and mothers from daughters and husbands from wives. And we see it within this story. That Abraham had a little bit of issues, got passed on. He was a little cowardly and he was a liar. That got passed on to his son, Isaac. And Isaac, was he did similar things that, the, that his daddy did. And that got passed on to Jacob. And Jacob, you know, he was a little manipulator. But the mom kind of helped him out too, you know. And within that sinfulness, there was division. I mean, you find in this story, not only does Isaac and Rebekah lose their disobedient son, Esau, but they also lose their semi-obedient son who was blessed, Jacob. Because Jacob gets sent off for protection and to find his wife. And ultimately, this father and this mother lose both of their sons, which is not ideal. 
And it comes from sin. It comes from pride. God is holy and we are not. And some of the decisions that we make have these ramifications that cause separation. Amen? Praise God that that's not the end of the sermon. Amen? That's not the end of the story. You guys already know that we got the solution in Jesus. Just because I, I know, you know, there's probably a group, you know, a handful of us in here who understand that we've made some choices that have called separation. But we got our hope in Jesus. Amen? That there's a better way. There's a better way. Okay, so let's continue. So um, our solution is Jesus. Are we ready? So Genesis 28, uh, let's continue. Um, <laughs> okay, so we're actually going to get to, so Jacob leaves his family, yeah, and he's, he's headed off to a distant land, and he takes like a side route because he was scared that his brother would find him, and the brother would follow the, the, <coughs> the popular route to this area that he was going. So he takes like a side route um, after a long journey. Uh, uh, scholars say it's anywhere from 30 to 40 miles that he journeyed, yeah? So he gets pretty tired, um, and we pick up the story. Um, where are we at? Verse 10. So Jacob left... Uh, where are we at? Yeah. Bathsheba and went toward Haran and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. Um, and he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth and the top of it reached heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land uh, on which you lie, um, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So God is holy, and he's choosing to involve himself into this story and into Jacob's life. So let me just talk about um, dreams real quick. So uh, a lot of times Jesus... Uh, or, or the Lord can speak to us in dreams. Uh, a lot of us have dreams, right? The, most of the time we, we have dreams and we don't understand, right? Anybody get those dreams? You're like, man, that was crazy. And you wake up and you would tell somebody and you're like, never mind, <laughs> right? Like, hey, I had a crazy dream last night. It was about, I actually don't even remember any of it. Sorry, I even started this conversation with you, yeah? But then there's other times and, and it's happened only a few times in my life where I've dreamt something, I've woken up, and I was like, whoa. Maybe God's trying to tell me something. Yeah, because the God of the Bible used, uh, used dreams a ton of times. Dreams, visions, revelations, right, where God comes and he shows this little image, and then he actually communicates something to you. So I'll tell you once about my dream, if I can remember it. No, no, I totally remember, okay? So um, this one time I was speaking, I was going to speak to uh, Doris Todd. So it's a, a private school in, in Poia and uh, private Christian school. And every once in a while they'll call me down there to give a message to the students. And I love it. 
uh, it's anywhere from kindergarten through eighth grade or to the, the high schoolers. And so, uh, so they called me and I, uh, I was super jazzed to go. And so I prepped the sermon. And uh, so that night I was sleeping, you know, with, with the thought about um, preaching the sermon the next day. And so um, I'm dreaming and I'm, I'm preaching the message. So the same message that I was going to preach the next day, I'm preaching it, but I'm not preaching it to um, uh, elementary, middle school, high school students. I'm preaching it to a college setting. And so the setting is instead of blue chairs, there's red chairs. And it's kind of in a theater setting. So it's kind of like as the, the seats get further away from me, it gets darker. So like the whole background is just black because it's like an evening service. And uh, all the chairs are red. It's a college. And I'm a guest speaker. So it's college setting. And, and I'm a guest speaker in the college uh, pastor who was a female was had invited me to come and be a speaker and so I'm preaching and in the back left there's like some commotion and I'm like whatever let's keep on preaching you know it's high school I mean it's college kids that just not paying attention but I'm like whatever so I just keep on preaching and then in the back there's like the kids do like this accordion thing where they all kind of like get up from their seats and out into the aisle shoots this cardboard box Okay, it's a dream, right? It's a dream. Okay, come on, work with me here. You're like, box, so odd. It's a dream, right? It's a dream. We all have odd things in our dreams. Okay, don't make fun of me. So anyway, so out of the aisle flies a box. It's the width of the aisle. Uh, it's skinny, like maybe only a couple inches. Um, but it's the width of the aisle and a little bit longer. So about six feet wide by maybe eight feet long. Uh, and it's skinny and it's hovering. Okay, I'm like, this is odd. You know, like I'm in my dream and I'm preaching this and instantly I feel within my spirit this like, oh, it's like game on, you know. I'm like, bring out your boxing gloves, you know, let's go. I'm ready for this, you know. Because I instantly I understood that this was like demonic. It wasn't of God. There wasn't shining lights. It wasn't angels, you know. There wasn't like sent from God on the box. It was like, there's issues, right. And I'm like, okay. So. I walk out to the box, and I'm like, I got to address this, right? The kids are like, what's going on? And uh, so I walk out to the box. I don't see anything. The box goes, whoo, like upright into my face. I'm like, ah, oh, what do I do? And I just, in my dream, I just turn around slow, and I just kind of get on my knees, and I just say, hey, kids, let's just start praying and interceding. And so I start interceding for the students, like I'm crying and weeping, just praying for God's protection, yeah. And then I pass out. The next thing I know, I'm being woken up by the pastor, you know, and she's like, how you doing? And I'm like, where am I? And I look around, and the lights are on, and, and all the kids are kind of in that, that daze, you know. So anyway, so that's my, it got a little weirder, but I don't remember what else happened after that. But anyway, so I woke up in the morning, I'm like, whoa, that was crazy. And I'm like, Oh, I got to get going, you know. So I wash up and I, and I kind of forget about the dream. And then I go down to Doris Todd as a, as a Christian school. And they're going through their prayers and their worship. And, and, and I'm about to go and I'm sitting there and I'm praying. And then God brings me back to this dream, which doesn't normally happen. You know, like sometimes I dream things. I don't, for, you know, I forget them. Don't ever think about them again. I'm sitting there and I'm worshiping. Boom. God brings me back to my dream. And I go, oh, oh. And I start looking for boxes, right? There's no boxes there, okay? There's no boxes. So I preach the sermon, nothing crazy happens, no demonic things, nothing happens. But 
maybe like a year later, I go to this conference and uh, one of the speakers is talking about dreams. And in the dreams, he says, a lot of times um, God communicates to us in symbolism. Um, and so I go up, I talk to him about the dream, and then he says, okay, the box. What do we know about boxes? And I'm like, I don't know, you tell me, you know, like I understand boxes, but I, I I'm lost here. He's like, well, uh, maybe, you know, one, a box is something that everybody can see, um, but it also can hide things. And I totally got it. I totally understood as soon as he said that what God was communicating to me because that morning I was preaching on authentic relationship with God rather than religion. And for me, the box was religion. It was this demonic presence that everybody can see, but it's a little hidden. Yeah. It's a little hidden that is really deterring people from a healthy relationship with God. What do I mean? That in religion, we're going to tell you, read your Bible all the time and pray every morning because that's going to make you a good Christian. If you want to be a good Christian, make sure you read your Bible all the time. Make sure you pray. Make sure you're reaching the lost. Make sure you're tithing. You better go to church. But what did I start the sermon with this morning? That our decision for the Lord only comes after his decision for us. It's not a religion. This is a relationship that we have with the Father. Because of God's heart for us, I want to spend time with my daddy. So I'm going to read because I want to hear, right? I mean, I don't want to just wait for an audible voice. I feel like I'm going to be waiting for a while. Amen? But I open up God's word and I can read a phrase and be like, man, God, you're a good God. And then I read another phrase and God's like, I love you. You know? And then I read another phrase and then he's like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do today. Right? Any audible voice that God is going to use to speak to us, is it going to be anything different than what is found in Scripture? Amen? Like, I really don't need God to speak. I mean, he does. When I start talking to him and being led by the Spirit, God speaks to me all the time. But I really don't need God to say anything different than what is already in here. So relationship speaks, hey, let's spend some time with the Father. Understand God's heart. If you're going to pray, spend time praying for him. Pray authentic prayers. Pray specific prayers because we want specific answers. Amen? Pray real prayers. Don't just pray for yourself, you know. Pray thanksgiving and praise and adoration to God. Pray for other people too. But definitely pray not out of obligation, but in response to the fact that God chose you. And if you're having a conversation with him, he's probably revealed himself to you, and that's a miracle. If you've if there's been one prayer answered in your life, you've gotten a miracle. And you really need no other answers to any other of your prayers. If God answers one prayer in your life, God is real. I hope you understand that live the rest of your life in praise and adoration that God is real. And he answered one of my prayers because I am a nobody. Amen. I am a nobody. And the God of the universe chose to involve himself in my life. And I should be appreciative for that little look, that little conversation, that little stirring in my spirit. Because God is saying, hey, I notice you. I notice you in your struggle. I notice you in your life. 
What else do we need? What else do we need? God has shown up in a real way. We should be able to live the rest of our lives just in crazy adoration and in awe to this truth that God is real. And not only is he real, he's personal. He's intimate. Every word out of our mouths should be thanks and offering and adoration and just God, you are so good. You are so good. You are so good. I am not. I am not, and yet you still choose to have and want and desire a relationship. To call me a son, to call me an heir, to give me a blessing and adopt me into your family. Amen? Like that's good stuff right there. So God is talking to Jacob through a dream. And I don't know if you caught it, but we also saw Jesus in the Old Testament. Because you see that ladder was a symbol. Because there's really no ladder, right, that goes from earth to heaven. Jacob, come on. John 1, 51. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven or the Father except through me. Jesus in the Old Testament. What was Jacob's ladder? Jesus. What was the solution to his problem? Jesus. How was Jacob going to get back home to his family? Jesus. How was Jacob going to find the wife of his dreams and the wife of promise? Jesus. Where? In the first book of the Bible. Thousands of years before he ever stood on earth. Jesus present in the beginning. Jesus present in the beginning. And so Jacob makes a decision. The scripture continues, and, and Jacob then awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. Uh, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the very gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up uh, for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, uh, but the name of the city was actually Luz at first. <clears throat> then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothes to wear uh, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up uh, for a pillar or an altar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So Jacob makes a decision, right? So God reveals himself to Jacob. Jacob awakes and he worships. He sets up a pillar or an, an altar. He pours oil over it. He renames the place house of God. Jacob wakes up in response to God's decision for him and he decides to worship. Amen? He decides to worship. He continues and he makes a vow, right? He says, then the Lord, Jehovah, the one true God, he will be my Elohim, the supreme God. That's the, the translation in the, in the text that the Lord, yeah, then the Lord will be my God. Then the Lord Jehovah, the one true God, he's going to be my supreme God. And he says, this stone uh, shall be the, 
uh, shall be God's house. And of all that God gives him, he's going to return back a tenth. And in the scripture, it, it, it talks about, um, he says, if God, right? And so some, uh, you can read that text and say, like, is he doubting God? Like, if God is going to do this, then I'm going to do that. Uh, and, and that's not actually what the scripture is saying. But you could definitely get that. If you didn't get the context um, of it and just read that passage, you're going to be like, oh, Jacob, he's kind of like, if God will do something, then he's going to do something. And, and it gets all eerie. But that's not what he's actually saying. He's saying, if this is the type of God that God's going to be, kind of like when, when uh, Satan is tempting Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, and he knows that Jesus is the son of God, right? It's almost assumed that, uh, that Jesus is already within the questioning. So the if isn't a doubt, yeah? It's more like a statement. You could say, since you are, yeah? So Jacob is saying, since you are going to be this type of God, yeah, that's going to be with me, yeah, and keep me on this way. It's going to be bread to eat and clothes to wear, and it's going to return me again to my father's house. Then I will dedicate my life to you in worship, in sacrifice, and service. And my question to you this morning is if God has been so very good to you, even in the smallest of ways. What is your response? God made a decision for Jacob. Jacob made a decision for the Lord immediately in the realization that God was real, Jacob's life completely changed. You are here in part this morning because someone made a decision for the Lord and then they made a decision for you. None of us come to the Lord on our own. Chances are along your path, faith walk with the Lord, somebody was there to encourage you, somebody was there to pray for you, somebody was there to bring a message of hope and Christ to you in your life. Amen? And my, my, my plea to you is to ask yourself, what is your response? Jesus made it simple. He says, hey, love me, love your neighbors as you love yourself. And so my question is, how, how do you love God? Are you loving God? How do you love God? Do you understand how it is that you communicate to God your love? Because if you do, be a little intentional with it. We all have an opportunity and, and a response, an ability within ourselves, how God created us to love him. Oh, come on, you guys not getting it. How many of you guys can cook? I, I love food. So you guys can communicate love for God by cooking me food. <laughs> right? How many of you guys can build things? Shaka? Praise God for people who can build things. You can use those things to love God and to build things for others. Amen? That God's created within you love language. Yeah? And so I'm just asking you, if you know how it is, be intentional because that's your love language to God. How you love others. Are you loving others? Chances are you are. 
Can we be intentional about that? The other will probably offend you. Can we love them by forgiving them? How many of us are really gracious with strangers and not gracious at all with those that we love? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no hands. They're like, ooh, sucks. I was going to raise my hand. I don't raise my hand for that one. <laughs> right? Strangers, so patient, so kind. Right? The people who live in your house, ah, like edgy, right? Edgy, like, ah, oh, seriously. Do that to me one more time. You're going to get it. And the third, right, so love God, love neighbors as you love yourself. Make sure we're taking time. Like, do you know how you get replenished? Hey, man, do it. You can be selfish in that way. God himself rested, and he instructs us, commands us even to rest. Yeah? But let's not forget the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. Let your love for God look like an extension of God in your hands while you lend help to others in the name of Jesus. Because the world is hurting. The world needs you to step out of your comfort zone and say, hey, God is real. Because if he wasn't, I would be sticking my hand out crazy. Right? Let God be the one that moves us. So anyway, a couple of testimonies before we, we wrap up here. Um, one, you guys can come up and we'll just close in worship. But God is moving. God is moving, okay? Just within our own congregation here, there's so many visitors. And, and if you are just starting to come out to Waipuna and I don't know you yet or the pastors don't know you, come and introduce yourself, okay? Because we see names that come in through the Connect card and we don't always know names at faces. Um, so recently, we had a little Trucker Boys Memorial, yeah? So the Dukes family, Josh and Shauna and their kids, they come to here. This is, uh, th this is a church that they call home. And um, so in the journey, I was asking God, God, what is going on? Like, what are you doing? You know, like throughout this whole three years, uh, what are you doing within this boy and, and this family? And God just started to show me, and it just got huge, okay? So... Uh, Josh and Shana came to church uh, the, the weekend after Trucker Boy passed away, and he asked me to, uh, Pastor Sean, to officiate, and he asked me to share the gospel message uh, to, um, to all those that are going to show up. And we just estimated lots of people, but we didn't understand how big God was going to use it. Anyway, so we went to Hope Chapel, inside the sanctuary, 500 seats, another 100, 200 people could stand. So that was full. So about, you know, 600 800 people just within the church. Outside, there was probably another five, 600 people outside. So on campus, you know, 12 to 1,500 people on campus that day present. By the end of the service, we had gotten report because they, they did it live, streamed um, on uh, Facebook Live and Hawaii News Now. There was 125,000 people that had watched the service or at least 125,000 feeds. Probably a whole lot more people. Like one kid came, uh, one of my kids came home and was like, Pastor, I saw you on TV. He goes to Pukalani Elementary. <laughs> you know, like the teacher actually had the, the memorial service on TV. So, you know, that's a class of like 30. So 125 logins, 25,000 logins during the service. By the next morning, there had been over 1 million replays. Yeah, praise God for that. I've had some of the most craziest conversations I've ever had with people. 
I, I talked to a, a, a mom who came up to me and said, I've always run a relationship with the Lord. I just never knew how. I was like, what? Who are you? What are you saying right now? You know, like you just don't hear that. I talked to one of the New York firefighters who flew over and he said, this whole experience is life-changing. More life-changing than 9-11 was. And he was a firefighter in New York. And I was like, dang. One last story. I talked to another firefighter who said, you know, Kaipo, I, I get it, man. I'm totally changed. This is, my life is, will be totally different. But I'm not yet 100% in the whole God thing. I got a great wife. I got a great job. Great guys I work with. My, my kids are healthy. I got pretty much everything. I just can't see God. And when he shared that with me, I kind of cringed in my spirit real quick because I thought if you cannot see God in the blessings, you may have to see God in the trials. And I started praying God's mercy in his life because God is so loving that he's going to bless you to show his love. But so loving and so holy that he's willing to allow you to go through the trials to let you know that there's nothing else that you can have your hope in but me. And so my plea to you this morning is to, to ask God to show you, if you don't understand already, that he's real and he's committed. He's patient, he's loving, he's kind. I implore you, make a decision for him today. Start praying a little more. Ask God, how can I love you? How do I love others? Because it matters, you know? You matter. How do I know how that? It looks like the cross. It looks like Jesus beaten and broken on there. You matter. And other people matter too. Amen? Um, Shaka.